Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning. The epistle reading we heard just a moment ago, especially these words. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, wake, awake, for night is flying. We sing those words out of that hymn every year, at least on this last Sunday in the church here, generally on New Year's Eve as well. We heard it out of the children today. Stay awake. Night is coming. Stay awake. The end of the world is at hand. We confess it in the creeds. Do we really believe it? Do we really believe what we say that Jesus is coming to judge the living and the dead? We say it, but most of the time, we can be honest, we really don't believe it. We fall for the cartoonish characterizations of the end of the world, the end of the world, chicken little, the sky is falling, the little boy who cries wolf. We put the end of the year talk at the church, the end of the world talk, we put it in the same category, don't we? At least most of the time. We hear our Word for today, the bridegroom comes, keep your lamps trimmed, stay awake, keep sober, and we gloss over those words, or we think that God is trying to scare us into the fold, scare us to be Christians, scare us out of hell. Then we turn on the TV, and it's everywhere. Politicians tell us because of climate change, we've only got a few years left. We turn on the TV or we read the newspaper and because of nuclear weapons in one part of the world or a military buildup in another part of the world, the end of the world is at hand. You stay up late at night and you watch late night TV and you see starving people or starving animals and the bottom line is the end of the world is at hand. I remember when I was young in parochial school, I think for the first time that I heard this kind of a dramatic message in the church was a little thing called the six day war. If you've never heard of it, Google it after church. Google it. You've got war in the Middle East. Certainly this must be Armageddon. This must be the end of the world. Only a year or two later, 
We got brochures sent home with us from the parochial school about starving people in Biafra. Ever heard of Biafra? Google it after church. There was a new theory that Adam and Eve had actually originated in Nigeria. And this civil war that was going on in Nigeria was Armageddon, the end of the world. All the time that I grew up in grade school and in high school, the end of the world is near. Global cooling, cold war, you name it, it was always there. My friends, God's word for today is clear. Are you ready? No one knows the day or the hour when Christ will return. No one. Not the Seventh-day Adventists or the Jehovah's Witnesses with their date setting. Not the politicians or the military leaders or the church people, no one knows the day or the hour. We cannot hear that admonition from God enough. No one knows the day or the hour. Any exercise in this kind of end of the world prediction is foolishness. Sometimes it's worse than foolishness. It's downright blasphemy. God's word for today. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Oh. Then why does Paul keep on writing? You have no need to have anything written to you, or quite frankly, preached to you. You know why? Because God's word is clear. God's word is clear. As we hear the word of God, as we read the word of God, as we sing the word of God, as we have the word of God preached into our ears, it is clear. God, in his love and mercy, took pity on sinful human beings like you and me. He sent his son into the world. God in the flesh. Jesus. Jesus took on sin, death, and the devil. He lived a perfect and holy life. He went to Calvary's cross, paying for the sin of the world. All sin, all people, all time. Your sin, my sin. Jesus bled and died on Calvary's cross. His stone cold body was put into a tomb. Jesus rose from the dead three days later. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Forty days after his resurrection, he ascended to the right hand of God. And he promises to come again in power and might and glory to judge the living and the dead. And in the meantime, 
He has not left us as orphans. He has given us His Word. His Word that is preached out of the mouths of pastors. His Word that is attached to water, bread, and wine, which calls us and keeps us in the faith. His Word which is spoken into our ears that our sins are forgiven. You know this. This is God's Word. God promises that He won't leave you or forsake you. He promises that He is coming. He is coming to snatch you out of this sin-infested world and take you to be with Him in heaven forever. When will this happen? Well, the day you die or the day Christ comes again in His power and might and glory, whichever comes first. When will that be? We don't know. We don't know. No one knows the day or the hour. So, what are we to do in the meantime? God says, stay awake. Keep sober. Be children of the light and not children of darkness. There's a lot of light, dark talk in our text. God says, stay awake. Keep sober. The end will come like a thief in the night. Why does a thief come at night? Because you're asleep. That's the word picture. Now, I suppose Paul could be talking about going out at night and carousing around and imbibing on drugs or alcohol. But he's really talking about something more. Talking about the things that we tend to have dull our senses. Numb us. Put us to sleep. Make us drunk. You know the kind of things I'm talking about? What are the kind of things that make us drunk today? I'm not talking about being physically high. I'm talking about the things that intoxicate us. For the last nine months, we have been intoxicated with a plague. It's all we think about. We're consumed by it. Our head, our heart, our country. We can't think straight. Why? Because we and everybody around us keeps talking about it. For at least the last four years, probably longer, but especially the last 60 days, we've been intoxicated with politics. 
We've gone from one illegitimate president to another, huh? Who is the president? We don't know. Was it a lie? Was it fraud? Was it Russia? We don't know. We're consumed. We're intoxicated. Starting about Memorial Day, many of us became intoxicated with chaos and anarchy. From Philadelphia to Portland, by way of Kenosha, we had riots in the street. Well, it could never happen here, right? Wrong. What are we going to do? Maybe we better maybe we better stock up on more toilet paper, huh? Or guns and ammo. Or install a security system. My friends, what are some of the things that we've been intoxicated with? Last March, the stock market took a huge, huge hit. People were worried about their financial future, their retirement. Businesses were closed. How am I going to make my house payment? How am I going to get groceries? Will the government send me a check? Will the stock market ever come back? Maybe I better invest in gold or Bitcoin. We became intoxicated with money and economics and finances. Let's not forget perhaps the biggest one of all. Over the last many months, many of us have become intoxicated with science. You know the kind of science I'm talking about? Words like comorbidity. I know people who can quote studies about the effectiveness of social distancing or wearing a mask but they can't quote scripture or Luther's small catechism. God's word today calls us to stay awake and keep sober. We are to keep sober. And that means to listen to the word of God. We are to keep sober, which means to hear the word of God, to put everything else, all these things are real, to put everything else in perspective. How will God bring about the end of the world? Will it be through plague? Or war? or financial collapse? We don't know. My friends, when we hear all of these voices clamoring with their doom and gloom, end of the world kind of talk, 
We need to hear the Word of God because there is a big difference between what God's Word says to us in His Word and what the world and all these competing voices are saying. You know the biggest difference between the end of the world talk in Holy Scripture and the end of the world talk around us? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. There's no forgiveness with climate change. There's no forgiveness in politics. There's no forgiveness with finances. There's no forgiveness in science. My friends, there is forgiveness only in Jesus Christ. And that's why for a Christian, we have nothing to fear with regard to the end of the world, with the end of our life, no matter how it comes or when it comes. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're at peace. True peace. God's Word says, For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's desire is not for a single person to spend an eternity apart from Him. Our God is a God of wrath who pours out His wrath on Jesus and now is a God of grace for us as He pours out the forgiveness of sins. He gives us faith, hope, and love. And He calls us to put on the breastplate and the helmet. The devil, the world, and even our own sinful flesh want to tear us away from the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, from the peace and security of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What will they attack? Your head and your heart. Your head and your heart. We put on the breastplate of faith and love. The breastplate which protects our heart. Our heart which receives the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Faith receives love. Love gives. It's like we pray in the post-communion collect that God would bless us with faith toward Him and love toward one another. God gives us faith. He promises to increase our faith. How does He do it? As we hear His Word and receive His gifts. We put on the helmet of hope you look at the news, 
You get consumed by all these things that make us drunk. You know the first thing to go? Hope. Second thing to go is joy. You're mad all the time. You have no hope. Why? Because it's been robbed and stolen from you. God says put on the helmet of hope. We live in this world. And this world throws out some very, very severe blows. Real blows. In real time. We live right now with a worldwide plague. That's real. That's severe. And it's a blow that is punching at us. We live in a time of political uncertainty. This is real. And it is a blow that hits us. We live with conflicting science. And we don't know who to believe. That's a blow that hits us. We live and we feel like we're just, just a flashpoint away from chaos, anarchy, maybe even civil war. These things are real and they are pounding us and pounding us every day. God says put on the helmet of hope which protects our head from being beaten senseless. Have you ever seen a boxer who's taken too many blows? I don't know if it's a politically correct term anymore, but back in the olden days, a boxer who had taken too many blows was called punch drunk. Couldn't think straight. Couldn't reason. My friend, the helmet of hope keeps us from getting beaten senseless by the very, very real things that are in our world. And it preserves our hope. A hope that is guaranteed. Not a fleeting hope like the weather or sports. A hope that is guaranteed by the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus for you. For all of the times. You have become drunk with the things of this world. For all of the times when you have lived in your echo chamber and refused to listen to the Word of God. For all of the times when you've taken the Word of God and His holy and precious gifts for granted. Christ Jesus has bled and died. Your sin is forgiven. Your name is written in the book of life. And now... Now God exhorts us, stay awake, stay sober. God doesn't mean that we should stay awake 24 hours a day or sleep with one eye open. No, he means sleep at peace. Whether you're awake or sleeping, alive or dead, sleep at peace. When you go to bed at night, how can you sleep with all this stuff that's going on? Well, you probably lock the door. Maybe you set the alarm system. Probably you make sure your phone has a connection so you can dial 911 if something bad happens. That allows us 
to sleep at peace. My friends, God's Word today says, sleep at peace. Have hope. Know that Christ Jesus has come for you. He's bled and died for you. He rose from the dead for you. He is really present in word and sacrament for you. And when the time is right, He's coming back for you. Don't be afraid. Live your life. Live it with joy. Live it with hope. And encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. My friend, that message is not just for the last Sunday in the church here. That's for every day that God grants us. May God bless us with that hope, that comfort, that assurance, today and always. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, Keep our hearts, our minds, our certainty, our hope in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.